0: You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friend, thanks for joining me for episode number 111 of Life Repurposed. Today, I have a guest. I have Becky Hofsted with me. She is somebody that I have met through my writing connections, and we live not too far from each other. Becky lives with her husband, Mike, and two adopted daughters, Naomi and Tutu, in a suburb of Minneapolis. Becky loves to write about the ways God has worked in her life and she's published those stories in a couple of collection books, including the Life Repurposed book that was published earlier this year. So we're going to be talking about her story in that book. Becky's writing has been recognized with awards from the Minnesota Christian Writers Guild and Faith Radio and she's currently working on a memoir. So, you'll find a link to how you can connect with Rebecca or Becky, she goes by, in the show notes of this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 111. In the episode, we talk about how Becky got started as a writer, and then we talk about how she met her husband on a blind date. Now, we really don't go into very much of that, because she tells that whole story in the chapter in the Life Repurposed book. But then she also goes into talking about how God has met her in places that were unexpected and in a different timing than she expected. Becky was 39 when she met her husband, and she had always wondered if she was going to find her life partner or not. After experiencing some infertility, then she and her husband decided to adopt two children from Africa, and she talks about that a little bit more in detail here in the podcast and also in the chapter in Life Repurposed. Becky, was a delight to talk to you, and I know you're going to enjoy this interview. So here is my chat with Becky Hofstede. So we're gonna get into some of the heart of your story in a minute, but let's start out a little bit lighter. I want to know where your favorite places to go on vacation.
1: Oh gosh, there's so many places. Um, I have been able to travel quite a bit in my younger years before children. Um, so I loved going to like Greece and Turkey um, on mm. a cruise, actually, where we learned about the life of Paul. So and oh, wow. then saw many of the places he had been on his travels. Um, but more recently, um, we're doing a lot of camping with our kids. They're 8 and 12, and uh, we're going to try the Boundary Waters, which if you're one of the listeners aren't familiar, <laughs> it's basically a backpack, canoe, bring everything yes. you need, dry your food.
0: No electricity, <laughs> no flush toilets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Roughing it. <laughs> I think that was about the age my husband first took our boys. Yeah. We're bringing
1: two other adults, so okay. the 4 to 2 ratio should... Make it doable.
0: Okay. <laughs> Notice I said my husband took our kids. I never did it. <laughs> I actually did it. We did a day trip. We were camped at a state park up there and we did a day trip in with the canoe. Oh, nice. And that was enough. It was like, it was beautiful. I understand why he loves it, but I did not want to camp there. So I was <laughs> glad it was a day trip.
1: Yeah, it's gorgeous.
0: It is. Yeah. So you're a dedicated camper if you're doing the boundary waters because. I choose state parks that have, you know, flush toilets, and I don't even like the porta potty bathrooms. Yes.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't want to do it for like a month, but a week is is good.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And you get to see some country that is just so, I don't know how to describe even the day I was there, the one day I was there. There's no houses, there's no cabins. It's just almost indescribable if you've been on lakes in the USA where it's pontoon boats and all that everywhere. And there just isn't that. (laughs) Yes. It's
1: quiet. You can see all the stars at night. Nothing like it.
0: I'd love to know a little bit about how you got started writing. Yeah. So,
1: um, we adopted my first daughter in 2013 and just so many things happened that had God's hand upon them. And, as I would go to church and Bible studies and various things where you're hearing a Christian message, I was always hearing, tell your story, tell your story, Mm -hmm. which is not an uncommon thing for, you know, pastors to preach about or teachers to teach about. Um, But I had always loved writing in school and kind of went the science route instead, because I didn't really know how I could work a writing career. I didn't give it a whole lot of thought, but Um, I I always have journaled and enjoyed the process and how it helps me Mm -hmm. to deal with whatever's going on in my life. Um, And so I started taking classes at the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. The first class I took was like an eight-week beginning memoir class. And I just loved it. It had like 11 other students. We had such great interaction. You got to know each other so well because you were Mm -hmm. writing about your lives. And um, it just really resonated with me. And I went on to take intermediate and advanced memoir and some other classes on writing and i i just really love the process i've been at it for almost
0: four years <laughs> um it's been majorly interrupted by the pandemic but yeah. hope to get back to it this fall i love that we met at the writers guild that you attend yes and at, when i was speaking there and that was um was it it was during the pandemic. Yeah, it was in there was like this, yeah, there was this little break where we could have meetings and stuff. And so right. we had it. And then right after that was when Thanksgiving hit and everything changed again. But right. I love that there's some similarities in our stories in that I went into a science related field as well, because that's what seemed logical, even though I always liked writing. So I went into nursing, because I was good at science. And people told me, to go to school for that <laughs> right. like later. I discovered I really liked writing. So what was your science career? Um, I'm a chemist.
1: I still say that I am, even though I haven't worked in the field since I still say I'm a nurse
0: too. Yeah. Because
1: I did all the training and the work and I worked yeah. for quite a while in the field. Um, still understand most of it and remember a lot of what I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah.
0: And I just, I loved science and math in school. So, mm that kind of okay math I didn't love but science I did I actually like the biology of it chemistry is such a mystery to me also I'm looking at chemistry and writing and there's like very few similarities there right I tend to get bored so that I've
1: you know changed like I was a college professor and then I went and worked in a lab and supervised other
0: chemists just for the variety of it mm-hmm. and change and mixing things up I say that I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up And I was probably in my 40s when I figured it out. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So you try a little bit of everything and you land on something, but then there's this writing thread that's coming through. So what are you doing now as you're taking next steps as a writer? You took the memoir class. You've written a chapter in the Life Repurpose book. Where are you going with that writing next? Well, so I have a complete first draft of a memoir. And
1: I um, sent it off a year ago, January, to a writing coach. And we worked on several assignments back and forth, um, which got kind of brought to a a definite slowdown when March hit and my girls were not in school anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I finished up the coaching right before summer last year. um, And I have all of my notes and all that we worked on. And it's just kind of been sitting in my computer waiting for the day when I can really focus on it again. Um, And I think, you know, at first I was really kind of devastated having to put it on hold, but I knew there was no way to do school at home with my girls and focus Mm -hmm. on that. Um, But I think what I'm coming around to seeing in the last few months is that the experiences and the thoughts that I've had and the things that God has brought across my path during this time, are going to possibly find their way into the memoir and make it richer and more interesting mm. and um, more relevant. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's not a bad thing, <laughs> which is <laughs> often the case and has kind of rep- a been repeated pattern in my life. You know, circumstances shift things totally in an opposite direction from where I thought they were going to go. And I was just like, wait a second, God, why? <laughs> I thought this <laughs> was the path. And now you're leading me in this other direction or and making it impossible to go in the direction I thought mm-hmm. we were going in. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to it in the fall. And um, during the pandemic, I've been able to write some smaller pieces and send them out. And the piece in the Life Repurposed book is one of those. So that's allowed me to stay somewhat active and experience some different aspects of writing. and yeah. Formats.
0: I love that you submitted your story and that it's in the book because, like you said, you've, your life has had some surprises and some twists and turns. And you give a little glimpse of that in the book where you talk about how you met your husband and God's timing in that. So can you give us a, a nutshell of what that was like waiting to meet the right person? Sure. Um, yeah, so I did not meet my
1: husband until I was 39 no, 38. 38. Um, and, you know, I'd spent kind of like a lot of single people time doing online dating, um, having married friends who would set me up with people they knew, um, joining singles groups at church, <laughs> just that, the kinds of things that you think, oh, this may lead somewhere. And really, most of it led nowhere. <laughs> um, and I finally got to the point where I had kind of mentally given up because I was getting so old, I thought. (laughs) Um, And I just found ways to be content with my life as it was. Um, But I still did have that longing inside. So um, I had started doing some volunteer grant writing for an organization that operates in Kenya and planned to go on a trip there with some people from my church. And that got canceled due to political upheaval that was happening there. Um, And it was not safe to go. I really wanted Mm -hmm. to go, but it wasn't safe. So then that was one of those crossroads where I was like, I really thought I was supposed to be doing this. It's something good. Um, It allows me to do something I really believe in, in protecting your creation, Lord. So why is this happening? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was only like two months later when a friend set me up on a blind date. And that is when I met my husband. So God had other plans for me. I just had no idea what they were. (laughs) I often tell my husband, I wish I had a crystal ball and I would pay a lot of money to get one, but then I wouldn't have to trust God and walk my faith,
0: which is what it's all about. Right? Right. Exactly. In the book, you tell another part of your story where you really wanted to go to Africa and God closed the doors and you were asking why. I'm not going to give away the whole ending of that story because that's in the Life Repurpose book and people can read it in your words instead of me trying to summarize it here. But I love how each time you looked for God's presence in the middle of that. So what? how does that change how you approach difficulties or the times when you have to pivot now?
1: Yeah, I think... Um... I look at those times as times when God pulled the rug out from under me (laughs) and I feel like the fall is getting less painful (laughs) and the time when I'm able to kind of reframe in my mind is getting shorter and shorter. So I feel like there's been growth, even though it still takes me off guard, I guess, because I am so focused on what I think the next steps are and kind of having my goals and agenda wanting to be in control. So all those themes of my personality are strong. So I've I've had to really learn how to look for
0: and leave space for God to work and to send me signals in different ways. That's hard for me too. We talked off air about how we both have Achiever in our top strengths on the StrengthsFinder. For those who aren't familiar with that, I'll make sure I link in the show notes to StrengthsFinder so you can find out what you are. When you're an achiever, you're thinking about the next goal, the next thing, and there's always a new hill to climb and always a new goal to set. And there are times where God says, well, that wasn't the goal I had in mind for you, including careers. (laughs) Like, you go into a career thinking, this is where I'm going to go. So how have you learned how to manage that? Like, what are some things that you strategically do that help you to set aside your own plans? Um, That's a great question. Um, I think my favorite part of the Achiever
1: description is that you feel like you need to be productive even when you're on vacation. (laughs) Yes, I can relate. Me too. (laughs) So a lot of times I just have to be conscious of thinking about that and thinking, okay, you're on vacation. This is the time just to enjoy, you know, your children's fascination with finding shells on the beach or whatever is going on that day. Um, so that's part of it. And I think prayer also helps to just kind of release some of your own predisposed kind of goals and ideas about what should be happening and just try to let go and surrender them to God. Mm-hmm.
0: So when I look at the type of vacation you chose, it makes perfect sense. You you chose the Boundary Waters My husband and I have discovered, too, that going hiking and doing some outdoorsy kind of things is helpful. First, he loves it, so he thrives on it. I'm not that outdoorsy, but it's a way of me forcing myself to unplug. Mm -hmm. There is no TV. I cannot get Wi-Fi, and Uh so I have to be present in the moment. Yes. Yeah, there's
1: so many distractions in our lives right now Mm -hmm. that... Getting away from them just
0: gives you a whole new way of being. Yeah. It's amazing. So what challenge in your life has caused you to learn how to trust God more deeply?
1: Um, It would have to be our two adoption processes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We adopted internationally from Liberia, Africa, both times. And I noticed that it was much different the second time around because I had learned the first time that so many things were going to be out of my control and there was nothing I could do. I mean, no Mm -hmm. amount of hard work, no amount of phone calls or anything was going to make any difference whatsoever. I just Mm -hmm. needed to wait (laughs) and trust that God was going to work out, you know, the snafu happening across the ocean that was Mm -hmm. causing everything to be bottled up for like three or four months. Wow! (laughs) on hold, (laughs) Um, just just trust that he was going to work. And then it was really um, so encouraging and faith building to see how he worked and Mm. cleared the log jams that had come up. So the second time was, was much easier. Um, And I think that that's the way it is with a lot of us, right? We have these experiences that help us learn to trust God more and more with whatever's happening in our lives.
0: That's true. The history of one thing leads us to trust him in a new thing. That's sort of the idea of life repurposed, too, in that, you know, life's not going to be perfect. So it sounds like you haven't had a perfect life. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody I've interviewed yet has. <laughs> so for, for all of us, we have different struggles, and God shows up in the midst of those struggles. When have you felt the most alone? Um, it would have to be during my
1: single days when I just wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing. I mean, I had gone to school for so many years and I had this career, but I was, you know, spending so much time at work and it just felt like, why am I doing this? I mean, it was, it was a perfectly fine job, but it just didn't feel like it was really resonating with my soul and what I was made to do. Um, and it, it certainly wasn't directly serving God in any way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it was just some time of kind of wandering through all of that and just kind of hanging with, you know, being, um, present in the life of the church and, um, getting to know people and stay in my Bible and in Bible study and. Allowing some of that to speak, too, because you have these wonderful stories, right, of Joseph and Moses, where mm-hmm. whatever struggle they're in has gone on for like 30 years. And it's like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I was nowhere near, you know, the 30 year mark in any of my um, wanderings. So, yeah, I think just being in that community, I guess, is was mm-hmm. really helpful to me.
0: Yeah. What else did you learn as you came through that looking back on it, you can kind of see how God has
1: uses your personality, whatever your individual personality is to, um, make a way for you to get through. So because I, you know, I'm kind of goal oriented and whatever, if I would, you know, sign up for a class at church to learn something, you know, I would do the homework and go every time and get the most out of it I could. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think just, um, the level of commitment for me was helpful and drove me to stay involved and stay active and um, not let people down because responsibility is another mm-hmm. one of my <laughs> strengths, finder strengths.
0: You're one of those dependable people that we need, the ones who <laughs> show up when they say they're going to be somewhere. Sometimes a little late now, with kids, that <laughs> it's hard to get them out the door, but... <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, there was all these years where you were dreaming of being married. And then after you got married, what did God need to teach you? Yeah, I think um,
1: he really did a lot of work in our dating phase um, because I wanted to be married. I wanted to have someone to share my life with, to go on trips with, to, you know, dialogue about faith with. But I was not so keen on motherhood. I was just like, things are just fine. My furniture looks good. (laughs) We can pick (laughs) up and leave and go wherever we want to go when we have time off work. So my husband, on the other hand, um, slowly over time made it known that he really did want to have a family. Family Mm -hmm. was very important to him. Um, So we had to go through some, some stretching and growing with that. Mm -hmm. And God really worked in a dramatic way because, what turned me around kind of a 180, and it was such a turnaround that he was kind of skeptical at first, (laughs) was Mm -hmm. I went to a women's conference. Um, I traveled to Chicago with a couple girlfriends and there was a speaker there who was just, I felt like she was talking to me directly Mm -hmm. the entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it came down to is that I had all these reasons that I didn't wanna be a mother and almost all of them led back to selfishness. Um, and to just not, you know, wanting to go where God was leading me. Um, So that was very powerful and a a big turning point in my life. After we got married, it was kind of go time since we were both older and we got our house renovated and then got to work on um, trying to have a child naturally. Um, And I, you know, as a scientist, I'm very realistic. So realized that was going to be difficult if not impossible and shortly after a year year and a half we really got serious about adoption Mm -hmm. because infertility seemed like it was not going to (laughs) permit a natural child to be born and that's been an amazing journey that I wouldn't trade for anything
0: yeah unexpected but amazing yes I like that you're sharing this aspect of your story because um in the Life Repurpose book and in people we meet in our communities, we meet people from all spectrums. We meet the woman who has longed to be a mother from the time she was eight years old and had her dollies and she was ready to have 10 children. There are women who long to have that scenario but have experienced infertility or a miscarriage, things like that, and the heartbreaking tragedy of that. But then we embrace all perspectives and there are some who have not thought as deeply about becoming a mother and yet God works in his way. As you did then become a mother, were there some challenges that you had after your adoption? Yeah.
1: um, I think still have,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but um, both of our
1: girls were older. One was five and one was six when we adopted. So they very much remember Mm -hmm. where they came from. Um, They very much remember their birth mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's a beautiful thing in a lot of ways. Um, but it also causes them some serious grief. Mm, Yeah. So we really have had to walk with them through that. And, um, they're, they're both very resilient and doing great. Um, but it, it is a whole different perspective on things and loss and, um, some of those things that we don't often think about or just, you know, um, Operating in daily life, I guess.
0: Yeah, I imagine there was a period of adjustment then coming from, you said from Kenya? Uh,
1: from Liberia. Liberia.
0: Coming from Liberia to the US. What were those first days like? Yeah, you
1: know, um, the adjustment happened, it seemed like very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first daughter was very well prepared by her birth mother. And when she, she was transferred for, to a foster home in Africa mm. for a short time. And um, the person who got her settled went back to visit a couple of days later to check in. And she had been telling all the kids that were in the little neighborhood, my white mom is coming and I'm going to America, <laughs> <laughs> which is just a precious memory for me. And then when my husband and I arrived in country, we were literally in our temporary apartment for five minutes. We had time to use the restroom. And she showed up with her foster mother and somebody that was working for our agency. And it was just go time. (laughs) And she was very, she looked very scared. And I was like, oh, my goodness, how is this ever going to work? And gradually, you know, I showed her a picture of herself. And I think she saw her reflection in the mirror, which maybe she didn't see very often. And all that really loosened her up. And by the time she had her pajamas on, my husband was rocking her on the bed, goofing around with her. And she said her first word to us, which was, Daddy. Oh. <laughs> so um I feel like both of them, the, the early transition went really well. And it was just amazing and beautiful and miraculous in
0: some ways. That's wonderful. That especially through technology now. Children can be prepared in a way that they weren't in the past. Uh, Did you have video chats before you went there?
1: We didn't have any video chats. We were able to send a video to our second daughter. And I I don't know if she quite knew what to make of it.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I know of families now that use Zoom or Skype and they actually have some conversations ahead of time. So they feel more like family before the big move comes and the everything changes so for the mom out there who's waiting or for the woman out there who's waiting because she's waiting for the right man to come along or she's waiting to have a child, what, what's the heart of your message to those women? I think, you know, a part of it's just simple. Just hang in there because we don't
1: we can't see the future. It would be great if we could. And we don't know what's right around the corner. Um, you know, when our adoption was stuck I was raking in our yard and I just remember so vividly how I was just so irritated, even with God, because it's like, why is this taking so long? You know, we were just waiting for something to clear so we could travel. Oh and within like four days, we had bought plane tickets. Wow. So you you never know what's right around the corner. And, you know, surround yourself with good friends who can encourage you, who can Um, direct you back to God's messages of hope and trusting in him. And, and then think about the ways he's worked in your life before, you know, remind yourself of those because, you know, as you rack them up, they'll, they'll have great encouragement (laughs) to give.
0: Yeah. Your chapter in the life repurpose book is about how sometimes God delays things and yet it's not denied And so that's the heart of what you just said there of like, it may be a delay. It may not be a no yet, but it could be a delay. So as you're looking through the book and starting to read some of the other chapters, are there any that have really stood out for you? Yeah, I was just last
1: night reading um, about the woman. Her name's Maureen, who was in a motorcycle gang. She had had a Her mother had abandoned her and Mm -hmm. her family and just really sad time for her. And she just basically rebelled by joining this motorcycle Mm -hmm. gang and trying to find love and acceptance through that. And that is just a powerful story of how all of that um, transpired and how she became a Christian and then found all of her hope and um, love that she was craving Mm -hmm. in a relationship with Jesus.
0: Yeah, so the purpose of the a book like this where we tell everybody's stories is that we want to encourage people through story just like you mentioned at the beginning of this episode that your story can encourage someone else. And so as we read someone else's journey it's sort of like when you read the Bible stories we're encouraged by what we see God do there. When we read other stories of people that are living in our current days we also see God's faithfulness there. So as we wrap up today where do you see God's faithfulness and his hand in what you're going through right now? Like in 2021 as we're recording this.
1: Yeah, um it's interesting you asked that because my daughter just had surgery last Wednesday. Mm. She had her left foot reconstructed and back in mid-January the surgeon who had been following her for a few years said, "Okay, it's time. We're getting close to surgery." And I, I didn't expect that it was going to be this soon. So I, I immediately, you know, my mind started cranking and I'm like, we're already doing school at home. If She has it soon. She won't have to miss school. And if she has it soon, she won't have to be, you know, in a cast in the summer. <laughs> and so I just made it my mission to figure out how we could do this as soon as possible. Well, as soon as I got in touch with the scheduler, she said the first opportunities Jan- are June 2nd. And I was like, seriously? But the surgeon was able to find an opening um, and that opening didn't end up materializing due to timing of insurance authorizing. Mm-hmm. But then there was another open. So we thought it was all done. We were like, oh, we're gonna wait, 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 wait for weeks now. But then another opening came up just spur of the moment. And it was exactly the week that I had thought would be the best week to do it because it was (laughs) right before spring break. (laughs) So I think God works in mysterious ways. Who knows what was going on behind the scenes? Um, But I guess it comes back to just hang in there because he's got this plan and I don't often understand it as I'm living it. But then when I look back, oftentimes I can see how his timing really was perfect and better than what I had planned in my head.
0: <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me today and for all of our yes, listeners. Thank you. Oh, it's been wonderful to chat with you, Michelle. For our resource today, I encourage you to pick up a copy of Life Repurposed. I know I've been talking about it almost all year. Because it is the book that spun off of this podcast, it is where 34 women tell their stories and I've been interviewing them over the course of this year and introducing you to more of their stories, more than just what they wrote in their chapters. But you can get the Life Repurposed book by going to liferepurposedbook.com or I will have a link right there for you in the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 111 for this episode The book just came out a couple of weeks ago in audiobook format, so if you're somebody who loves to get it in audiobook instead of reading, this is for you. You will find that on Audible and also on iTunes where you can get books. Thank you so much for joining me this week for this episode and for listening to Becky's story and also for being a regular listener on Life Repurposed. I invite you to join us in the Life Repurposed community on Facebook where we talk about just everyday issues and also some of the topics that we talk about here on the podcast. So if you join that community, it's a place to get to know other people. I will see you again next week with another guest interview with another author from the Life Repurposed book. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.